Father, we do thank you for the privilege of gathering together in this way. We thank you that as we come, we come and we meet with you. And you are never reluctant to meet with us. We thank you that your heart is towards us. We thank you that your heart is for us. And Lord, that even now as we come to consider your word, I just pray that you will embrace every person. No one will be excluded. But all will be included. From the youngest to the very oldest. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Andy and Band. Thank you very much. But it's it's a very practical word that I want to share with you this morning, which does have a very, very practical outworking. And when I was preparing this, it was very much geared towards uh, us here in Emmanuel. But there are universal uh, principles here. For you in any church where you are, these things remain true for you and for you to work out in your own context. But for us here in Emmanuel, I want us to take the challenge on this morning, a very specific challenge, which I believe is dear to the heart of God. As we seek to minister to a world that is lost and broken. Many people do not have a positive experience of church. Now does that come as a surprise? No. Many people go to attend a church and their experience is very, very negative. Now I want you to picture the scene. It's Easter Sunday morning. And there's a family with two young daughters who are attending a more traditional church than, say, we're used to. Where the average age of congregation is not on the young side, let's say. There's no such thing as a children's work. There are no youth to be seen. And they gather there Easter Sunday morning. And you go into the Sunday morning meeting. And to be honest, it's more like a funeral than a resurrection. But there we are, Sunday morning, in this more traditional church than we're used to. And there's this silence. Do you know the pre-church meeting silence that you sometimes get in more traditional churches? I mean, our silence usually only begins when the meeting starts. Because you're ready to talk to each other until anyone... Let's just start with that. Silence. One way to stop people talking is say, let's pray together. (laughs) I'll leave that for prayer leaders to uh, experience for themselves. But the silence settles upon the congregation. The family are there with two young girls, possibly about five or two or three. I think there's a two-year gap between them. (laughs) Is that right, Elizabeth? Yes. And there's no one there at the front, there's just the organ playing gently in the background. And then on Easter Sunday morning, in this very silent setup, the minister appears from the front of the church and he is dressed from head to foot in a white alb. And out of this silence comes this question asked by one of the, the little girls Is this Jesus? <laughs> 
the disapproving looks, the tut-tut-tutting sound from the rest of the congregation were the loudest thing that morning. There's a sign outside of that church that said, Welcome! And have you ever been in a situation where there's a big sign outside that says, Welcome, but no one told the people inside they had to be welcoming. And there is this gap between what is proclaimed on the outside and what is experienced on the inside. You know, we have many, many church buildings where there is this most uh, elaborate sign, a warm welcome to all. Is that right? Is that right, Richard? Yeah, and you can't even say them. I'll get you. He knows it there. From bitter experience, from bitter experience. There's this big sign outside that says a warm welcome to all, but the experience you have inside is extremely negative. Imagine a different context. A room not perhaps as big as this, with a couple of hundred chairs in it, and... A visitor arrives. Now the definition of visitor in a manual is someone who arrives before the start of the meeting. (laughs) Now I'm going to leave that for you to work out. And if you arrive at around quarter past ten, well you are on the way to sainthood. (laughs) Definitely. But the building at that point is relatively empty. A few seats taken, there's a few more seats taken with the uh, the clothing belonging to the musicians and PA and all the rest of it, you know, saving their seats. And the visitor comes in and they just sit down quite innocently, a couple of seats. And a member of the church comes in to this empty room and says to the visitor, you're in my seat. <laughs> True. Or another scenario... Again, a more traditional setting than we uh, perhaps are used to here. And there's a lady attends. And there's one of the hymns, more traditional hymns, which is sung with a little bit of gusto. So in the middle of this hymn, she has the audacity to raise her hands in worship. And after the meeting, it's taken to one side until we don't do that here. And you know, one of the things is that when people experience that, it doesn't exactly encourage them to go back and be part of that worshipping community. And I could go on and probably tell you story after, and you will have your own stories where you have gone into a church community and it has not had the welcome that you would have expected, nor the welcome that is professed to be inside by the notice board outside. And as we come together on a Sunday morning, what we need to recognize is that the 90 minutes plus, as I call it, we have a service that lasts about 90 minutes, the plus is for the coffee time before, for those visitors who arrive early, and for the members of the church who hang around afterwards. So in this 90 plus, we have this incredible opportunity where we need to present the people who come among us with, I believe, two things. I'm only going to mention one of them this morning. And the first is this. We need to present people in this period of 90 plus with family. 
I believe we need to exhibit family with all of our faults and sins, but people need to experience the warmth of a family meeting, which is nothing to do with what is posted outside, but has everything to do with the relationships we seek to build with one another. This time we come together on a Sunday is very often the first time in this culture, the first time that a person will connect with a particular church. In other cultures, perhaps it's different. People might go to a small group first. But in this culture, it's Sunday morning. And as we attract visitors, those visitors need to find among us that sense of family. And it's more easy to say than it is to achieve. But we need to recognize that there is a biblical basis for us as the family of God. Family of God. Let's have a look at John chapter 1, verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Now this is the crucial part I want us to home in on. To all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. To all who received him. And the Bible uses different expressions for coming to that place of faith. It speaks here of receiving him. It speaks of believing. In other places it speaks of trusting. But to all who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. That is the most incredible truth as we gather together week by week. As we are born of God, we come into this incredible family that Jesus has made possible. And as we meet this morning, as we meet week by week, we need to come back to this fact. The only reason we are here is because of what Jesus achieved 2,000 years ago. There is no other reason. Why, if Jesus has not been raised from the dead, why would we bother coming? I can think of better things to do if Jesus had not been raised from the dead. But as Jesus has been raised from the dead, we share new life with him. We come into this new family as children of God. We're born again into a spiritual family that owes its very existence to the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And a family that looks forward to the coming again of Jesus. There is a coming again which is guaranteed. We do not know the time, but it is guaranteed to happen because Jesus has made that promise. And as we turn back to John, to those who received and who believed in his name, he gave the right, and the most incredible thing is here, that that right is given on profession of faith in Jesus, and is the same for every person. So the person sitting next to you, their salvation is bought by exactly the same way as yours. There isn't a step one, or a plan A, and a plan B, Who, for those who have perhaps missed it, 
It's not as if Jesus is running a membership course and he'll sort of repeat it in a few years for those who miss out on it. There is one way of salvation, for there is no other name under heaven by which men can be saved. So if you are a Christian this morning and you are sitting beside another Christian, the way of salvation is exactly the same. So you can turn to the person next to you and you can say to them, you are a sinner saved by grace. Go on, somebody brave. Somebody brave. Go and do it. Go and do it, honestly. (laughs) You are a sinner saved by grace. And then you just declare over yourself, I am a sinner declared by, uh, saved by grace. And if you are a husband here and you are doubting that you are saved by grace, your wife will tell you, you are in need of the grace of God. And the grace of God has bought your salvation. And there's this incredible leveling up within the kingdom of God. For no matter who you are, no matter what your background, no matter what your educational achievement, and I've got to get that in in Durham. I've got to get that in in Durham. No matter what degree you get or don't get, no matter how wealthy you are, no matter what your background is, the way of salvation remains the same. To all who received, to all who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. We celebrate that each and every Sunday. You know, when we come together, this is party time. It's party time. We remember the death of Jesus, as we've remembered in some of the songs this morning. But you know, we cannot stay at the cross. We move on to the empty tomb. And for us, it's that one big event. You've got the empty tomb, and you've got the cross, and together they emerge. And we come together, and we party, because Jesus is alive. Now, I want you to tell that to someone. First of all, will you tell it to your face? (laughs) You know, some Sundays are hard work. But Jesus is alive. He is crucified on the cross, buried in the tomb. He walked free of the tomb. He is alive in order that every one of us might be called children of God and born again into his family. That is the good news, folks. That is the good news. Galatians 3 says, For all who were baptized into Christ have clothed themselves with Christ. That is an incredible truth. So as the Father looks at us, he does not look and see our faults and failings. He looks at us and he sees the glorious righteousness of his Son, Jesus. And that is the only ground upon which we stand. Not our own works. Nothing we can do. Nothing we can do can add to our salvation or take away God as he looks at Jesus. Sees that we are clothed in him. Isn't that fantastic? You've been clothed, you have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, for there is, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. That is the unity of the true church. A unity which the enemy seeks to destroy, but a unity that runs so deep because it's not founded in my good works. It's not founded whether I like the person I'm sitting next to. 
is founded upon what Jesus has done. So we can sing these songs. If we have received and believed in Jesus, we can sing these songs with incredible confidence because it doesn't depend upon my righteousness. It depends upon His. What a privileged people we are. One in Christ Jesus. And Paul, when he is writing to the Ephesians, he goes through the incredible blessings that they have as being children of God. And every one of these blessings is applicable to us today. So what she said, praise be to the God and Father, Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. God does not hold back from us. When we are wrestling with something, very often the issue is our ability to receive. We are the ones, I'm coming, you know, you get to a certain age and you realize that you are the biggest obstacle to God doing something. That's certainly true of the person sitting next to you. They are the biggest obstacle to God doing something in them. And as we come together, Paul is saying, we have been blessed in heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for the adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ according to his pleasure and will. It ends by saying, in him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. This is true of us as we gather here together the last Sunday in October. God is doing Amazing things among us. God is not withholding anything. But we need to press on into the more and more that God has for us. That we need to be the ones who deal with the barriers in our lives and say, Jesus, come and help me to press on further into you. For what we've got now is not the end. But there is much more to come. God is doing an amazing work among us because it it speaks in Ephesians of that God's grace has been lavished upon us. And every born again Christian can tell the story of God's lavish grace poured upon them. Every person here who knows Jesus has that story of God's lavish grace. And we collectively can tell that story. God is doing amazing things. He is raising a church here that is truly multi-generational and multinational. This is a fantastic thing to be part of as we gather week by week. So we have from the very youngest, just let Ada give us a wave. Is she still with us? Is she still awake? No, I thought not. My sermons tend to have that effect on babies. Not just babies, babies, no. I think this half of the room definitely, well I've lost this half of the room already. So I'll speak to you folk over here. (laughs) A multi-generational church. We have the most amazing group of youth. Yeah, they are asleep. They are asleep. That's what's And we have the most amazing group of retired people. (laughs) 
Well, that was louder than I expected. They haven't nodded off. Coco and slippers when you get home, folks. Coco and slippers when you get home. And then we have everyone in the middle. Hey! God is doing an incredible work among us. And we need to appreciate the grace of God that is at work among us. And that is how we become that functioning and warm family. By recognizing this is all to do with the grace of God at work among us. God has called together a youth group. God has called together a group of students. No, Keith, you're not. You're not. Sorry, Keith. God has called together a group of middle-aged people who think they're still students. And I think if we lose sight of what God has done, we have very little to offer those who come among us. But what we need to do is to recognize that God, what God is doing among us is all of his grace. And then I can reach out my hand to all and sundry, welcome people in, because it's all to do with what God is doing among us. But not only do we have a truly multi-generational church, we have a multinational church with about 12 nations represented among us here every Sunday. Isn't that absolutely fantastic? And it's one of the things that God has done over recent years. Now, if you were not born in this country, right? If you were not born, give us a cheer. It includes the Welsh. Who's the Welsh? Dear Father, you know. Let's try that again then. If you were not born in, the, in England. Ah, we'll get you there. If you were not born in England, give us a cheer. Hey. It's fantastic to be part of a multinational church. And as you look at what God is doing here, for me, it is a reflection of what is going on in heaven. Because in heaven, I had to come to this, it's an interesting one, what's the language of heaven? Well. <laughs> <laughs> now folks, <laughs> the reality is, Richard is actually spot on. It is Welsh, because no one has a clue what's being said. (laughs) You know. Revelation 7. And I looked. Now consider this in in the light of who we are with the many nations. The many cultures, the many languages, including the Welsh, gathered here this morning. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude, no one could count. We've got a big vision, folks. This isn't the end of it. It's 400 and... I wish John was here. (laughs) More than I could count. From every nation, every tribe, every people, every language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes, holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. 
What God is doing among us here and throughout the nations as he calls the nations together in worship, as he calls the nations together to sit before him, as he calls the nations together before his throne. He's painting a picture of what is and will be going on in heaven for eternity where every nation, tribe and language is represented where the differences in language don't matter and I was thinking about the language of heaven before I was so rudely interrupted (laughs) and I was just thinking everyone will be praising God in their own language and everyone will understand the languages it happened on the day of Pentecost it will happen in heaven Wow, what a, what a joy. What a fantastic picture of what we have in store for us. And God has started that among us. As he draws people from all nations to this tiny little place in Durham. And we need to celebrate. And as we celebrate, as we appreciate who we are, I believe it is from that place we can then be that family of God to others who are coming among us. Because we appreciate what God has done for us. And surely you want to draw others into that same experience. You don't want them to come among us and say, well, there might have been some nice stewards on the door. But the rest of them were absolute miseries. There is nowhere in scripture we are called to be a misery for Jesus. Some of us find it easier than others. (laughs) But we have to be those who recognize what Jesus has done and seek to reach out to one another across the generational divide and truly be family to those who are coming among us and family to one another. You as an individual have a part to play in being family to someone else. Not everyone can know everyone. But everyone can know someone. And you could be that person that makes the difference. There's a well known story isn't there of, uh, well it, if it might not be but it will be by the time I've finished. <laughs> a story of someone who visits a church And they have the service. And at the end of the service, they are completely and utterly ignored by all of the other members of the church. So where do people gravitate towards? In churches where there might not be any coffee, they gravitate towards the notice board. Because they don't want to give the impression that they are feeling left out of things. So they gravitate towards the notice board and they're standing there pretending to read and be interested in the notices. And they're approached by someone else. And that someone else comes to them and says, Ah, you must be a visitor as well. (laughs) Because they were being ignored. Folks, we cannot afford to do that. We need to be those who welcome each other and welcome others with open hands because we have that grace of God story to tell of what he has done for us. Now, as we seek to be family to one another and family to others let's recognize that it does come with a challenge being family is the most wonderful thing I believe that we can be and offer to a broken world because family speaks of relationships and what the world needs are genuine relationships 
What the world needs is to find that place where they feel wanted, acknowledged, where they feel they belong. And we can offer that to others because of what Jesus has done for us. If we remember what he has done for us, we can offer that to others. But just consider your natural physical family. Have you ever been wound up by a member of your family? Well, most of the women are sitting there saying, yeah. (laughs) Most of the men are thinking, dare I admit it? (laughs) Apart from Richard. And Richard and Barbara this weekend are celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations on surviving. (laughs) Not necessarily. Before they got married, Richard was 18 stone. But Barbara's got him into, well, it's two ways. She's either licked him into shape or she's worn him down. You can choose whichever you want. But family is a place of great blessing but can be a place of great challenge because it can be members of those people who are closest to you are more likely to wind you up than someone who's not close to you. Is there anyone here who has ever been disappointed in another Christian? Thank you, Tony. Thank you for that honesty, George. We have two honest men over here. Three. Any more? The rest of you are lying. I... It's just one of those things that people will let you down. That's why we need to build family on what Jesus has done and not just what I'm feeling at any particular point. You know, as we have Ada with us this morning, Ada will grow up and our, her prayer is that she will become a wonderful woman of God. But I can guarantee you, Johnny and Ashley, that the journey will be full of challenge. <laughs> and all I can say is, get on with it. No. <laughs> But because we are, but the difference in the church is, Jesus wants us to work it through. Jesus wants us to work through the issues we face. When we look at the New Testament, many of the letters were written to address issues that had risen within a a local church, or an area within the church. It was written, they were written in order to address division, where some will, ah, I'm following this one, I'm following that one. And you say, no, the only person we should be following is Jesus. The Bible does not paint an unrealistic picture of what being family means. But nor does it paint a picture that is unattainable. God has incredible things in store for those who give themselves to him and respond correctly to those challenges. Now, can we have Ephesians 1.15? Now, just have a look at this. And at this point, I'm going to do a real low ending. I'll still be speaking about another 15 minutes. <laughs> Naughty. It's all right, Ray never listens to this stuff anyway. So, just think of us and our experiences together. How fellow Christians are the very ones who wind us up. 
How fellow Christians are the very ones who will leave us disappointed. How fellow Christians, because they are nearer to us than the world outside, are the very ones who can leave a mark upon us. And then I want to ask you to consider whether you can in all honesty, regardless of whether you're part of a manual or another church, whether you can pray these words of Paul and pray them from a genuine heart towards those others. It's challenging. Paul says, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you. Well, there's the first challenge. And I believe God is calling us to that place where we can give thanks for one another. Recognizing we have our faults and weaknesses. As do that brother or sister. But that in Christ we are brother and sister together. Through our receiving and believing in Jesus. We have given that right. We are drawn into that one family. God is saying I want you to give thanks for one another. I want to give. You need to give thanks for that brother or sister. Who is an absolute irritation. Oh it's hard. But the fruit is incredible. Because the fruit denies the devil a foothold in what is going on in that relationship. So Paul says, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. So we give thanks for one another. But then we need to remember this body and the individuals in this body and give thanks to God. But remember them in our prayers. And what are we praying for? Are we praying that they become less of an irritation to us? Well, we're all tempted, aren't we? (laughs) Has anyone ever had an issue with somebody and you've you've sort of muttered the prayer ever so briefly because I know you're holy? You mutter that prayer, God get them. (laughs) Ever done that? Now I only speak from what others have told me, because, you know, I I find perfection is such a burden. (laughs) There's some folks over here looking very seriously this morning. (laughs) Hands up if you're coming back next week. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. What is it that we need to pray for one another? Not that they might become more easy to live with. But I pray that the glorious Father may give you the spirit of wisdom revelation. Why? So that you may know him better. That ought to be the prayer that governs our prayer for one another. Not that my life is made easier, but that each one of us might know him better. That has got to be the highest calling of any Christian. The best thing we could possibly pray for, for one another, that you might know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Imagine praying that for one another. That is powerful stuff. And I love that word where he says the riches of his glorious inheritance. 
Because as we are family, there is an inheritance in Jesus that we are to appropriate day by day and ultimately is the guarantee of heaven. So we give thanks. We pray for this family and every member that they might know Jesus better. And each one of us needs to play our part in being family to those who come among us as visitors. Those who come among us day by day, week by week, year by year. We need to strengthen this family. And every person here has a part to play in that. We do not want to settle for what we've got. Can we have Andy and the band back please? We do not want to settle for what we have. But we want to press in for all that God has got for us. Let's stand together. If we could have the ministry team out please. One of the things that we want to do in order to strengthen this family, and this will probably happen sometime in the, uh, in the new year, what we want to do is to receive some of our youth into membership. Well, everybody's happy about that apart from the youth, by the look of it, <laughs> who are busy talking. Charlotte, listen. <laughs> Charlotte, we are going to be receiving, she looks ever so embarrassed, we are going to be receiving some of the youth in the membership next year. Oh, why? <laughs> because what we want to do is we want to strengthen this body. And many of these youth serve us so faithfully week by week, either here as singers on the PA, on the AV, some who serve us faithfully in the children's work. And we want us to welcome them into the family as members. On exactly the same basis as we would receive anyone else, that they know Jesus, they are baptized as a believer, and follow him. Are you up for that? Well, one is. Right. Can we just start a song? Sally, where's the mic? Can you get the mic? Sally has a few prophetic words. And we just want to end by drawing people. Right, Sally, just go for it. Yeah, I, um, I spent the day yesterday with just the, the Holy Spirit saying to me, today is a new day. Today is a new day. And... And I saw us, and we were excited by that idea. We're excited about the new things that God is doing. But what I saw is that with our arms, we were raised, and we were excited, and we were cheerful, and we were we were really going for it. But when I looked, I saw feet that were had balls and ball and chains around them. And I just felt the spirit of the Lord saying to me, "Today is a new day, but I need to deal with yesterday. I need to break some things off so that you can run more freely into." this new season and so I was asking him what what is it what do we need to deal with and he's given me a few things so I 
just want to invite you just to listen to the Holy Spirit. I think he's going to be prompting a lot of things in a lot of people. I think there's going to be, this is a time when we can do some real business with him because we want to run freely into all that God has for us. And the first thing I heard him say was that some of you are carrying wounds of trauma, hurt and disappointment. And what I saw is that people were nursing their own wounds. And the Holy Spirit is saying to you, don't nurse your own wounds. You cannot heal yourself. You cannot speak yourself into the right place. You need to come to me. And if this morning the Holy Spirit is putting his finger on a hurt that that has happened in your life, a trauma, a disappointment, the Lord says, will you come? Will you come and talk to me about it? Will you come and pour your heart out to me? Because I am your healer. I am the one who can reach into those wounds and I can remove scars. And I saw that for some people, out of that you need to step into forgiveness we don't forgive people because what they did was okay if somebody has hurt us that isn't okay and the Holy Spirit knows that but we we embrace forgiveness because God wants us free so I just want to encourage you that if ask the Holy Spirit ask him who do I need to forgive who has hurt me who am I holding a grudge against you might be surprised at what he tells you you might think you've dealt with it but if you bring somebody to mind take that to him offer him that forgiveness don't make excuses just offer it to him and ask him to come and release you from that so that you can step into the freedom that forgiveness brings saw that some of the results of that hurt and trauma is that some of you have embraced a spirit of isolation that you've that you've had thought patterns and speaking patterns that have actually cut you off from people you might recognize it in thinking they don't get me i don't really fit in here i don't think the same way that they think those are lies because God has made you unique God has made you in this place and if you have partnered with some of those lies it's time to renounce them to come before God and say God I recognize that that is a lie I no longer want to agree with it I no longer want to partner with it will you show me that I am loved I am accepted I am a child I am adopted and I am part of a family that some people are held back by a mistrust of the Holy Spirit you love Jesus you love the Father but you're worried about what the Holy Spirit might do if you surrender to him you're worried that he might make you do something undignified or a little bit scary the Holy Spirit is the safest person you can be around and he is the most important person you can be around if you fear what he might do in you tell him tell him what your concerns are 
but ask him to change your heart. Make it your decision to be yielded to him, to be surrendered to him. Dignity is just a posh word for pride, and we don't want that. Release your dignity to the Holy Spirit. And for some of you, the Holy Spirit is is actually putting his finger on some repetitive sin that has creeped into your life. Things that you thought, it's okay really, it doesn't matter, nobody knows. But the Holy Spirit is saying, I want holiness for you. I want to take you into somewhere that is so holy that you cannot believe it. And that is my presence. Your sin will act as a barrier because it will tell you you are not worthy. It will tell you you cannot enter in. So the Lord says, if you are if you are hearing that prompting right now of some sin that is in your life, come and run to the throne of grace. Come and confess it to him. He wants to break what is being held over you. And the last thing that came to me, and I think this is one where we all need to be really honest with God. Some of us need to let go of how we think God should work. We've seen God work in the past and we loved it and that is good. He's not in the past. He is doing a new thing. That means it looks different. We have to give God permission to do what he wants to do. We need to give God permission to change our minds. Our desires are nothing compared to his. So if you know that you are holding on to some wonderful things that God has done in the past and wanting to see him do those same things again, release that to him. Let him move the way he wants to. Those are the things that the Holy Spirit was showing me. So can I just encourage you to press into him. Whatever it is that he has laid on your heart, press into him for that. There is a ministry team up here who will help you if you particularly feel you need that. We're going to continue in worship. If you need prayer, please come out. We're not going to labour this. If God has spoken to you, you know God's spoken to you. Come out and receive prayer. We're just going to continue in worship for a few moments. to anybody who's in leadership if like if you lead a, an MCOM or you're part of Emmanuel Global Reach or you're in some kind of leadership I think we're going to need more people praying up front so I'd, I'd just like to invite you to be part of the, the prayer group if that's in your heart if you'd like to pray I'd like to I've 
check this out with Ian and with Alan. You're welcome to come and to to be part of the prayer team this morning.
what you've achieved among us this morning. We thank you that even now you are working by your grace in our lives to bring about your plans and purposes. And we ask, Lord, that as we leave this place, we will go with that challenge to be truly family to one another, standing by one another in good times and challenging times, all for your glory. Amen. Amen.